What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Century, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. And sorry, that was just a sneak peek. On today's episode of Chicago Bulls Central, we're going to talk about the latest updates with the Robert Sarver and Phoenix Sun situation. We're also going to talk about Denny Schroeder finally makes a decision on who he's going to sign with. And it's mailbag day, so we're going to get into your voicemails. All that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, Bulls fans. So I know this is not necessarily Bulls news, but like I said in the episode that I covered, this is some of the biggest news surrounding the NBA right now. So as of right, as, as of right now, we, we know what happened with Robert Sarver, owner of the Phoenix Suns in his one year suspension. Well, as, as of right now, it's some more things coming down towards the Phoenix Suns. And this was kind of expected. If you listen to the, that episode, the minority governor, the minority owner of the Phoenix Suns, Yahim Najifi, hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, he released a statement in which he's calling for the resignation of Robert Sarver. Now, on top of that, the Jersey sponsor PayPal for the Phoenix Suns have also stated they will not renew their deal with the team if Robert Sarver is still involved with the team next season. So this is listen, I, I, I said that, you know, the decision that was made by the NBA to not remove or take the team away from him could have only been staving things off for a little while once you start affecting the bottom line now, i didn't even and i didn't even think about the fact of other owners in the team calling for his resignation um once you start doing things like that things start getting the ball rolling so like i said then the story is not at all done with the robert sarver situation as of right now we'll see what the own ownership group is doing within the phoenix suns to see if they eventually get him removed but with paypal possibly pulling out as the jersey sponsor that's going to bring a whole new line of eyes to it and it's, it's important to remember too with these nba teams while there is usually a minority owner there's always an ownership group kind of like a board um that you think of with other companies and so with that being said it seems like things are moving in the in, in a different direction and we'll see if ultimately robert sarver still does lose his team with all these other things going on let me know down below what do you guys think do you think robert Sar sarver ends up staying and keeping his ownership in the Phoenix Suns, or do you think that's eventually going to be moved one way or another? But let's get into the other piece of news for around the NBA, and that's Dennis Schroeder signed a one-year deal with the Los Angeles Lakers for $2.64 million. Now, he's been having a hell of a EuroLeague over overseas, and so it made sense that he got his deal. He comes back to a team that he's played with before, uh, familiar with the organization. I think the last time he had a really good season as well was with the Los Angeles Lakers. So, you know, he gets his money there. But talking about EuroLeague, right? You guys knew I was going to use this as a way to segue into the Chicago Bulls. What did the Chicago Bulls learn about their players that played over in EuroLeague? Unfortunately, one of the biggest questions, and when I did my episode yesterday on the biggest questions surrounding the Chicago Bulls heading into next season, was exactly what Marco Simonovic is going to be able to give the Chicago Bulls next season. Now, Marco had a great summer league in which he averaged 15.6 points, 8.8 .8 rebounds, and right under a block per game. And that's production the Bulls could use off the bench when we're talking about a, a bench that was ranked 29th in the league in scoring last season. We could use the scoring punch. But with better competition in Eurobasket, Marco Simonovic struggled. In six games played, um, he only averaged 8.7 points per game, 4.2 uh, rebounds per game, and that's not the impact that we... Now, it could very well be. I want to say here, a lot of times you don't see... or not, I mean, I say a lot of times. Sometimes you do see with these Euro European teams, they don't use players very heavily. So maybe that was something, but it did seem like it's a lack of confidence from Marco Simonovic. And, you know, while I was hopeful that he could crack the rotation in some type of way this season because we could use that scoring punch... 
Seems like it may be another year of just waiting to see what Marco Simonovic actually can give the Chicago Bulls. Now, what we did learn, the positive with that, is Goran Dragic is going to be able to fill a role on this Bulls. I still doubt how many minutes he's going to end up playing when everybody's healthy. But what we know is that we're not starting off the season with everybody healthy. So that's going to give Goran Dragic time to really make an impact on the Chicago Bulls team and see what he can give. So we'll end up seeing what ends up coming of that. If anything ends up coming, you know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm just going to leave it at that. But let's go ahead and get into the main topic for today's episode, and that's your voicemails in the mailbag. We're going to get into this first voicemail, and this one is from Mike. Hi, Hayes. Love your show. I've been following you for, well, since the end of uh, last season. Um, you know, thanks for great commentary. Try to catch you every day. Uh, Michael Korn here. Uh, I've been a Bulls fan since uh, 1966. Just wanted to see what you thought about uh, bringing in Alex Caruso as one of Acme's uh, better moves uh, since they've uh, taken the helm. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, look forward to your show. Looking forward to uh, the season. Thanks a lot, man. Go Bulls. All right, Michael, uh, following up on one of the episodes I did early last week, on some of the, I did an episode on the best moves and I did an episode on the worst moves. Uh, that that Acme has made so far, and he asks, "Is Alice Caruso one of the best moves?" And I would have to unequivocally say yes, absolutely. He was. He was just like when you look at. And I was a doubtful person on Alice Caruso because when the when the Bulls played him the season before we signed him, he didn't look all that great. But like, and again, I don't watch a lot of Lakers games because I hate the Lakers and I don't really care for LeBron. So that's just kind of the thing there for me. So like seeing Alice Caruso and seeing what he does off the ball. And, you know, one of the things that I talk about very heavily with the Chicago Bulls team and something that's always hurt this team last season, even when we were winning, is times that we didn't have movement off the ball. When players did not have the ball, they weren't always moving in the proper ways. Alice Caruso was always on the go. He was always moving. He was always creating separation, creating different angles on offense and defense, getting out in steals, getting out in transition. Alice Caruso was everything that he they was cracked up to be. And when you look at the deal that he got, yeah, it's a little bit expensive. But I think it's worth every bit of it. Now, we do need to see Alice Caruso stay healthy, which him missing it was, wasn't up to his own. But yeah, I think Alice Caruso signing him to bring in depth to that Chicago Bulls bench and it really and, and it really be the calming factor on that bench. And keep in mind, the Bulls didn't think that Io were, was going to have the type of impact he was able to have as well. But they brought in Alice Caruso for insurance to be off the bench for anything. It was all great decision making. And yes, uh, Alice Caruso definitely deserves to be, in my opinion, uh, noted as one of the best deals Acme has made at their time running the Chicago Bulls. All right, let's get into this next one. This one is from Reginald. Hey, hey this is uh, Reginald from Columbus. Uh, listening to your take on uh, the Vucevic deal, trading two first-round picks for him, uh, whether or not that was a mistake. In my opinion, I think uh, the Bulls, I think that Levine doesn't stay in Chicago if it wasn't for Vucevic. Because that was the first time they were uh, proving that they were trying to win. Because before then, like, what were they doing? Uh they were signing guys who didn't fit the system. They're signing guys to be signing guys. Got signing guys who were way past their primes. They're hoping they'll work out. But uh, what? But uh, in his first, well, the minute they got him, he was already giving me 21 and 11. And even this year, you're getting a 17 and 11. So, like, when was the last time the Bulls had a big man who was giving you that? Maybe Brand, like Elton Brand, back in 2000, 2001, or something like that. But, yeah, I, I just want to put that out there. Also, uh, despite be having a down year, you're still a top-ten center. So, and 
considering what the Bulls, uh, if the Bulls did keep Zach Levine, I mean, is there anyone in the first round that they would have been probably early teens? I don't see them replacing Zach Levine, so I just wanted to say that out right quick. Uh, thanks for your time. And what's your opinion on the matter? All right, so there's a lot of, and, and you know, with me listing Vooch as one of the worst, he was on the worst and he was on the best. Like, People have to stop think, thinking that. Like I've, and I even said when I, and if you go back and actually listen to the episode in which I li- even listed Vooch or talked about him as being one of the, the only thing that I focused on was giving up the two first round picks. I still said that the Bulls should have done that deal every single time. And to your, to Reginald's point here, does Levine, does Levine stay in Chicago? I think yes. I think when you look at what, yes, bringing in Nikola Vucevic was like that first step in showing, no, we're trying to make this team a playoff team as soon as possible. But when you look at the other moves that the Bulls did in the offseason after that, they were always going to improve the team vastly. I know there's been some questions on, hey, does DeMar still come if Nikola Vucevic doesn't come here? You know, the connection with Eversley, some say that he that DeMar still would have. The fact that the Bulls did offer him more money than what he was getting out in the open market. But outside of that, if they did not trade for Nikola Vucevic, they still would have gotten Lonzo. If they Even if DeMar wasn't coming, they still would have used that money to go after other free agents. They were focused between that trade and the offseason improving this team enough. So I think that they still would have done enough things. They still would have made some moves. Wendell Carter probably would have still been moved in that offseason if not at that trade deadline. Or hell, they may have just done a different deal at the trade deadline if they were they just knew they were ready to move off Wendell Carter. So with that being said, I still do think that Zach Levine stays in Chicago regardless if they if they brought in Vooch or not. Because I think this front office was going to make moves to improve the team regardless. Vooch was just the first step in that. But I do understand what Reginald's uh, point of view and perspective is on that. Listen, Nikola Vucevic, and I, this is the thing. I say this all the time, and I think it, it's it, maybe for some people it's conflicting. But what I say all the time is that when people use the thing of, well, Nikola Vucevic, and, you know, there was somebody outraged something that was like, oh, well, Vucevic couldn't get us into a play. He couldn't get his own team when he's on. Like, people have unrealistic expectations for Nikola Vucevic at times. Things that I want to see from him, like, he's never going to be a huge plus defender. He's never been that. He has a solid defensive rating over the course of his career, but he's not going to be, he was always going to have some defensive limitations. That's why team construction is important. But when you look at a player, everybody can agree and say, hey, Nikola Vucevic had a down season. Everybody can say and agree to that, and that's fine. But even if you say that, guess what? 17 and 11 from a player on a down as a third option on the team, that's a hell of a season. Still in the top five to 10 in every statistical category at his position. Yes, Nikola Vucevic has his issues. Yes, there were times when Nikola Vucevic uh, settled for just bad shots. He did not shoot at the percentages that he has over the course of his career, but it still was a damn good season for Nikola Vucevic, and I think sometimes Bulls fans are looking for things to be perfect or just focusing on maybe bringing in a player who does things better than Nikola Vucevic doesn't do. But there are not a lot of people that do the things good that Nikola Vucevic does either. So that's my thought on that. All right, let's get into this next one. This one is from 8 Lives. How you doing, hey? This is 8 Lives. I was calling in today. I wanted to paint a scenario to you and see what you think about it. How would you feel if I was the coach of the Bulls? Uh, I can't think of his name too fast. Um, and you said, I'm not let you sit in in a practice before the season, and you heard me as the coach come in and say, okay, I'm the coach, and um, I want to pick the five best players for my starting lineup. So the starting lineup is what you guys know it is, but who's going to play the point guard is going to be Alex Caruso. I'm going to start Alex Caruso at point guard because I want my five best players on the court. Um, Io, I will let you start right now, but there's no purpose to let you start because Zoe is coming back. Lonzo is coming back. 
So I want you to come off as a six man. That way you don't have to be the six man once um Zoe come back. You could just be the six man this whole year. And I wanna um bring um I want Alex Caruso to start off at the at the point guard so it could be him and Patrick uh Williams with a good defense, you know, to help uh Zach Levine. And then I know when you come off the bench, all year I just want you coming off the bench as a dog. I want you to come in and play like Alex Caruso play, heavy on the defense, heavy on the defense and use your offensive IQ. How do you think that we will we will go if you start Alex Caruso? Instead of Io, even though I'm, I don't oppose Io start because I've seen what he did with Illinois. Um, thank you. All right, eight lives ask about Alice Caruso starting instead of Io DeSumo. Here's my thing with that. No, I think when you look at, and I understand what eight lives is saying, I understand his thinking on this, but my perspective on this is is that Io DeSumo being in that starting lineup, being around a bunch of veterans, uh, people who are going to carry more of a scoring load, who are going to be focused, he can just come in, focus on defense, playing the point guard position, taking open shots when he gets them. But Alice Caruso being off the bench is the calming factor. Like I said in the first voicemail, it also brings a sense of just, you always know what you're going to get from Alice Caruso. So while, yeah, Alice Caruso, some people may say, is the better player right now, I think when you look at the Bulls bench, what the, the rhythm Alice Caruso can get in with, with Andre Drummond, the fact that like even players that are inconsistent, like, like, a, um, like Kobe White or Javante Green and the impact that they may have, it makes more sense to leave Alice Caruso, in my opinion, coming off the bench to really just be the motor that gets that Chicago Bulls bench going. We already saw the energy that Alice Caruso brings and how he changes the energy of the Chicago Bulls team when he's on the court. But you kind of want that in a bench that's not super proof. Yeah, Javante played great for us last season. Derrick Jones Jr. had moments. Uh, Kobe White, up and down, but still has a lot of potential there. Andre Drummond's kind of the one that you look at and you say, hey, we know what we're going to get from him. Um, Goran Dragic could be that as well as another veteran piece. But Alice Caruso could get that going. Putting all that on a second-year player, I think you kind of want yeah, because it's a buffer. If if Io is in there with the starters, it kind of gives him a buffer to if, if he does make mistakes, things like that. He also has Demar to do most of the ball handling if he needs, and he can do some things off the ball. I really look at I think uh, Io Dasumu's best being that starter while Alonzo Ball is out. But you guys can let me know what you think on that one down below as well. All right, let's get into this next one. This one is from Shet. What's up, Hayes? This Shet. You know, I was thinking. I feel like people have been giving Patrick Williams a little bit too much shit on this whole injury thing. And I think some people are giving him an unfair label of injury problem, especially going into his third season. You know, fans fail to mention all through his rookie season, I think he played like a whole 82 games or like 80 or what he missed one game due to a hip contusion. And that was just one game in his rookie season. So he started it all games of the season. And as for this season, you know, another player by the name of Alex Caruso went down the same way Patrick Williams did, and that was due to a freak accident brought on by an opposite player on the other team. But nobody talks about Alex Caruso or give him any flat. And let's think about it. Patrick Williams did something that I can't even say I could give Lonzo Ball credit for. By the time playoffs hit, he was ready to go. Can we say the same for people like Lonzo Ball? And for the most part, I mean, I know I'm only basing this off of one game. He did kind of come into his own a little bit when it came to offensively towards the end of the, se end of the season. He was a little bit more aggressive. And, hey, due to the last season where, I mean, even though last game where they did have to sit everybody, even in that game he dropped 35, he did. 
are coming to his own. The only reason why he didn't do that in the playoffs is because, let's face it, he's guarding a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, and that's not necessarily going to, you're not necessarily going to be able to drop 15. You'll be lucky if you drop 10 points because Giannis has a job within himself, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like fans are just kind of putting too much pressure on him now. I know he needs to step up, but come on, man. This is a man in his third season. Jimmy Butler didn't even do it in his third season. So I feel like fans need to relax. Anyway, tell me what you think. Peace. All right, Shay. Uh, thank you for this. Now, I, I agree with this 100%. Like, people throwing the injury, and there was somebody, a comment on the channel uh, this week in which I commented on somebody throwing the injury-prone uh, label on Patrick Williams is just not paying attention. Or they're just reacting strictly to... One season of him having an injury. Yes, he did have an injury um, to, to, in, in the offseason that kind of got him off to a slow start, but it wasn't anything major. He suffered a major injury of no fault of his own. It was a, I wouldn't say it was a dirty play, but it was a weird play that, that messed up his wrist. And he still returned back from that. I think it was two months ahead of the initial schedule that they had him placed on. So, no, Patrick Williams is not injury prone. Let's be clear. He is not injury prone at all. We need to stop saying that. We need to stop being so quick to throw labels towards people when it's just too quick. And then as far as the judgment on Patrick Williams, everybody is just, and again, I understand that some of that just comes with being a fourth overall pick. You're going to get some judgments. It's just going to happen. That's just the way it works. This is basketball. People break it down. That's what's going to happen. When you're the fourth overall pick and you come in with averages that Patrick Williams has, people are going to, to, to make Sometimes knee-jerk reactions. It's just going to happen. But when you look at Patrick Williams, to say that he is injury-prone, he, he only missed one game in his rookie season. He played 17 games last season. We know, like I said, coming back early, um, super early than what people expected for him. So chill. Patrick Williams has played in like 98% of the games he's been available for, right? So like, it's not like he's just missed a, a, a bunch of like weird nagging injuries or anything like that. Calm down on the injury-prone label for Patrick Williams. As far as People rushing his development. Like I said, I kind of get that. I kind of understand it when you have a fourth overall pick. The fact that like, and the front office loves this guy. They love Patrick Williams, but they're going to they're gonna continue to take the time to develop Patrick Williams and build on top of his game one year over one year. And I think people are too quick to judge last season saying that he didn't really improve if you're, if you're saying that, because guess what? We got a small sample size. 17 games isn't a lot. Some people are only getting into rhythm the first 17 games of the season. So let's wait and see. Let's see what we have. Hopefully we have another fully healthy season from Patrick Williams um, so we can see what he turns into and develops into and what wrinkles he adds to his game if, he, if the coaching staff better uses him as well. Things like that. Let's stop making passing judgments so quick on Patrick Williams because I still think we got a hell of a player developing in Patrick Williams, and it's going to take some time. Gonna take more time than what some what some Bulls fans would want it to take. But guess what? Good thing is you guys don't make the decision. AK and Eversley are committed to Patrick Williams' development, and they're not gonna move off of him unless it's like a surefire deal that makes the Bulls a championship contender. I do, I truly do think that they would move on depending on the deal that they get if it's surefire. It's another certified superstar that isn't aging either. Like, I mean, as far as like not like a 33, 34-year-old superstar, if they come in with a player. That's kind of disgruntled, wanting to get out, out of their team. That's maybe maybe fits Zach Levine's timeline. Maybe they'll do something like that. But otherwise, Patrick Williams is going to be on this team for a very long time. And we're going to get to see him and Io DeSumo continue to develop and turn into the players that they're ultimately going to be. And I, for one, think it's better off for it. And that plays into the part of the next voicemail. This one is a long one. I'm going to warn you guys. But this is from Nick from the Bullpen Podcast. What's good, Hayes? It's Nick Tolliver from the Chicago Bullpen here. I got a lot of new content coming up. 
I got locked out of my Twitter account and a bunch of other stuff. It's been really crazy. But uh, I heard the Warriors gym talking about why Michael Jordan will never be surpassed. And a lot of the points he brought up, uh, he was able to parallel with his Golden State Warriors. And I agreed with a lot of things he said. And I'm looking back, uh, I've been rewatching like the Golden State Warriors, you know, the run they just had, you know, even though they didn't win for a little bit, they still, like, if we're being real, they've had this decade in the chokehold. The Warriors have been doing their thing. And exactly what he said is, in order to win in the playoffs, you literally need dimensions. Like, the Warriors have, they played against the Rockets. James Harden, at the time, like, was up there with Steph in terms of three-point shooting. Like, I, I can say that without hesitating. Like, James Harden, at that level, that Rockets team was shooting threes really crazily. And that Rockets team was doing really insane things on offense during the regular season. And one point he brought up is during the regular season, all these dudes have all this, all this, uh, he said that, that, that two feet away from, that two inches, uh, away from the basket turns into feet in the playoffs. And he basically said, what you need to be a successful team in the playoffs is dimensions. If you're a team that can only shoot threes, you're not going to win. The Rockets were a team that only shot threes. They were great for the regular season, but when they got to the postseason, what did they do? They weren't a team that was great at the foul line. They weren't a team that was great in ball movement and transition. The Warriors are literally good at the foul line. They're good in the paint. They're good at the three. Now we see more than ever, like, their defense is insane because players like Andrew Wiggins and GP's gone. But this year, seeing how they anchored the defense, that Warriors team is so much more than shooting threes. And I think a lot of people forget about that. The Warriors are so good because they do more than shoot threes. Yes, that's the best thing they're good at. But they do a lot more to shoot threes, man, like a lot more to shoot threes. And my question to you is, what do you think the Bulls need to work on now to get to that level? Obviously, we're not going to be the Warriors, but to get to a level where we have so many dimensions to where a team has to look at us and there's not and, – and there's multiple things they have to try to take away from our game that makes it harder for them. Because right now, if I'm being completely honest, I think Billy Donovan runs a very similar offense to what he did in Florida. I think we're very easily readable. I think – uh, opposing teams look at us on their schedule and obviously they think we're tough but once they look into our highlights and see what they need to do to stop us that's all they do and I think in order to be the team we want to be and I'm obviously an advocate for we need to be patient this and that but I think we can turn the intensity up as soon as next season if we just start adding dimensions. All right Nick very long-winded they're almost Marvin like in his delivery like listen Nick I know you got a podcast. You ain't got to try to have an episode. No, I'm just I'm just playing with you. Nick is one of the longest supporters here of Chicago Bulls Central, and uh, I've loved that he's getting that podcast off the ground. Uh, I was one of the blessed to be one of the first people he reached out to when he was thinking about getting that podcast started. So shout out to Nick from the Bullpen Podcast. And as new episodes release, you'll see him around here even more often, and we'll do some more shout outs for him because I like what he's doing over there. But with that being said, this voicemail. Um. I like how you laid it out, very well thought out. And yeah, I do think the Bulls front office is trying, like they're trying to be in a position to where if something comes, that they can go right into compete championship mode with a deal or two. Without that being said, until that deal presents itself or is available, they're going to continue to try to build through the draft. They're going to continue to build a roster that has high character guys, people with tons of upside, a long athletic players that can play versatile positions. That's what they're looking at. They are looking, especially considering, yeah, the Patrick Williams fourth overall pick, but really when you look at that draft, 
it, it, it went the way that it went. But the Bulls otherwise, even if you look at Ayo Tsumu, Dalen Terry, they're, they're bringing in long players that, that um, can play multiple positions, that have a high motor, that are locked in defensively, have some offensive potential as well. They're really trying to build a versatile roster in which you can play positionless basketball. That is what the NBA is going to, and that is really what Acme is building so far here with the young players and draft picks that they brought in. Now, one could say I talked about Marco Simonovic earlier in this episode and kind of how he doesn't seem like he's going to be quite ready, but even Marco could play the four, could play the five. Very versatile player, not necessarily the defensive player at all that the other players are projecting to be, but still, that offensive versatility on the offensive side of the ball that he does have with that skill set, hopefully we'll get to see it at some point. But I like what Acme's doing in building this team. I honestly do like what they're doing. Um, we'll continue to see what that turns into and develops into, but I do think I like the methodical. The thing that hurt guard packs, right, is that after the Derrick Rose era, once they made the decision to say, hey, we don't know how to build around Jimmy Buck. That, that, keep in mind, people, I think, for, forget that Jimmy would have stayed here. Like, Jimmy would have stayed in the, with the Chicago Well, Some people now have the, I, I see it in the comments, they say, well, Jimmy would have left anyway. He did get Hollywood as hell. But Jimmy still would have stayed with the Chicago Bulls. I truly do believe that even when you look at like the interview he had when he was on the boat, right? It was such a weird interview. Uh, after he was traded to Minnesota, he was talking about, well, hey, they bet on Fred. You know, they made the, like, I think Jimmy would have stayed here in Chicago. But this front, the front office at that time, Gar Pax, didn't know how to build a team around a player like Jimmy Butler. I think that should have been the first sign they needed to get the hell up out of there. Now, with that being said, taken away from that, I, even after that, when they had all the seven overall picks and the draft picks, they were just, they didn't draft with a methodology. We have a front office now that has a methodology and has a vision. Garpax was just taking as many shots as they can and hoping that a player ends up sticking without really drafting, thinking about overall roster construction. Now, there's some for some teams that works, you keep drafting, you keep going potential until you do get somebody to hit and then you build around that player. That's that, you know, but the, what, what Acme is doing is kind of the antithesis of that right now. They are building with a methodology saying that, hey, if that superstar doesn't come, if if like we'll see, we're building a very versatile roster with a a, a mind a, a a place in mind of the team that they the type of team they want to see out there on the court that is versatile players that can play multiple positions that have high motors. They are doing that, so I think it is like we'll see if it ends up developing into a championship caliber team. We'll see if it does. Just think about it. If Dalen Terry, I would assume, and Patrick Williams all hit, let's just say all three of those players hit. Let's leave Marco Simonovic out of it. With Zach Levine already being here, with now Lonzo Ball in here as well, or whatever they end up doing with him, hopefully he can stay healthy, you then have a team that you can look at that's going to compete now and have a bright future for years to come. Now, is it likely that all of those players hit? No, it's not. But we'll see, right? We'll, we'll, we'll see. The story's yet to be written on everybody. But we got to start looking at even what they did with a the second-round pick in Io DeSumo. This Bulls front office has a focus, and I enjoy, for one, having a front office with a folk. But that is where we're going to end today's mailback episode. We got more than enough voicemail, so you will be getting a mailback episode tomorrow as well. If you want to get any other ones in, you got time to do so. Make sure you're following the show at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullcentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We're the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys. And like I liked in every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.